Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us to relinquish the control of our lives. To give our lives over completely to you. Every aspect of our life. Not 99.9, but every area would be submitted, surrendered, positioned at your feet. And then we will find the wholeness, the fullness of this life in you. You teach us and you love us into this place of submission. You, live, you love us there. And you say, seek me and my love so you can surrender to me. Because when you know me, you know how good I am. You know how intoxicating my love is, how empowering, how all-encompassing. And discovered in that life is your purpose. Then surrender becomes a natural way of living because of love. Love will cause you to submit. Love causes you to surrender. Love's the motivation behind everything. It becomes easy when you fall in love. Trying to keep a set of rules is hard. It never works, never lasts. You do it so long, then it just becomes, oh, it's too hard to give up. And at that point of giving up is where you turn and you ask him to come in because you stop trying. And you enter into this thing called rest. We're going to look at that today. See, there's a promise for the church. It's called rest. So there is a multitude of promises. But the one I want to pull out is rest. Rest empowers everything. Rest stops you being worried, anxious, bound up. Why? Because you've relinquished the control of the outcome. And you've placed it in his hands. And that is faithful. That's not being unwise. That is being wise. 100% wise. Saying, Father, you are the creator. You know best. So you have. And you define. And I will just live from this place of being in rest. See, Jesus said, you come to me and I'll give you me, didn't he? I'll give you rest. Rest for what? Rest for your souls. Your soul being your mind, your will, and your emotion. Where does worry take place? In our mind. We churn things over and churn things over. Do you know if you can worry, you can meditate? They're the same things. It's just what are you worrying on? Worry about him and his business. Don't worry about yourself. See, it's just meditation, but it's the wrong way around. So he says, meditate on me and you'll have this rest, which means you'll be free from stress and worry and anxiousness. Because the only reason we worry and are anxious because we're worrying about ourselves. That's the only reason. You're worrying about this. You worry about that. What about this? What about that? What if that happens? What am I going to get? What am I going to lose? Am I right? So you're worrying about yourself. 
But see, when love comes and it is received through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through my ability to try and understand it, it's received through surrender, through submission, through weakness, and it enters into my soul. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions are renewed to the reality that already is. And so then I start living according to his reality for me, not my old reality. And I start living from rest. You see, the born again life is a life of rest. And as we mature and as we grow and as we understand what it means to be born again and to truly live in the born again realm, we come into more and more and more of this thing. Thanks, Tim. What's that called? Rest. Can you give yourself rest? No. Where does it come from? Him. He says, all you are heavy, laden, come to me. Where does the heavy and the laden, the worry come from? You see, you come like this. He knows us. And he says, all my promises are yes and amen. But see, if you don't come to me and learn from me, then the rest is never your reality. It's a promise for you, but you never enter into it. So you stay outside of it because it sort of stays out in the spiritual kingdom, but it never comes into you, so you don't live from it. Jesus is literally building his church, isn't he? And he's building his church into his very image, isn't he? So did Jesus live from rest? So are you sons of the one of rest? So is that a fair statement to make that he would have you live from rest? Because as Jesus was on the earth, the church is to be. Is that right? So are we pursuing love? Because the outcome of love is rest. Who is love? God. So are you pursuing God? You see, the knowledge of God sets the church free, fills her with fire and power to live the born-again life, which is a life recklessly abandoned to God and his will. And that's what I want to look at today, this thing called rest. Rest is a state of being. Be still and know that I am who I am. Do you find it hard to be still? Do you know why you find it hard to be still? How do you be still and know that I am God? There's so much in that one statement. No, I am creates being still. The more we know him, the more we're at rest. Because the more we're relinquishing. Which means the less we're worrying because I've relinquished me. So I no longer worry about me because I died. There was this great exchange called death to life. You give me your life, you'll find a life. But your life must be lost to found my life. If you lose it for my sake, not for your sake, not for your selfish motives. So if we pray a selfish prayer, I want to give you my life for me, you probably won't find the life. But when it's a life for him laid down, you will probably find life.
So rest is a state of being, not a state of doing. It's a state of being, becoming, and everything out of that is what we functionally do. That's why there's no stress attached to it, because it's just a genuine work from a place of rest. See, the Israelites failed to enter into it. Some did. Why? Through unbelief and disobedience. Cena, Princess Warrior Cena. Man, there's a preacher in there, eh? Ooh, watch this spot. I think there's going to be a bit more calling of step up Cena and step into Cena. What I have already written for your life before you ever were. Ugh. Man, it's so cool when you see people step into. You've watched the wrestle. Yes, the no. Yes, the no. Yes, the no. I've known Cena for ages. The yes, the no. Yes, yes, no, no, no. It's like... I was in that meeting, man. I had my eyes closed. I'm lost. And I hear. I heard it before I saw it. (laughs) Wednesday was the most amazing prayer, praise meeting I've been in for a long time. And I don't say that lightly. I say that with, it was praise that was up here. People that wouldn't normally enter in were entering in. People that would normally maybe sit there, and this doesn't, I don't want to offend anybody, but people that wouldn't sit there, stand up, and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Cena gets up and prophesies and speaks life of something God had spoken to her about, and it brought life. Because we all have something on us to bring life. And when we enter this position more and more, we just step into, not up, It's not about stepping up, it's about stepping into. See, stepping up has this mindset, oh, I've got to go up, up's hard. i just got to step into it. It's right in front of me. And as you step up, guess what happens? He exalts you, doesn't he? Those that humble themselves will be exalted, those who find this rest. So come with me to Hebrews 3. I'm going to read reasonably quickly. 3, 1. We're going to read Hebrews 3, all of 3 and 4. And I'm reading 3 to give context to 4. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. Do you know you're a partaker of a heavenly calling? People say, what's my calling? It's right in front of you. The Bible tells you it's a heavenly calling. I hope that encourages you today. You don't have to ask the question. The Bible just told you. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, meaning his father, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So, Jesus builds his house, correct? Jesus builds people who come into, because he is the builder and he's building us into the same image of himself, correct? 
So in the likeness of Christ, so God is the builder of every house to which we are the house. So if Jesus is building his house, we're going to experience rest. Because that's an attribute, that's a promise of Jesus building his house. It's a pillar. It's this. Tangible substance holds up. If we ripped it down, we're probably all in trouble. So the house that Jesus is building is a house of rest. You tracking with that? Okay. See the, see the opportunity we have? He's inviting us into being these people. I want to build you. I want to build you. What's my role in that? Submit and surrender. Relinquish control. And I'll build you my way. Learn from me. So you can not only be built in rest, you can live a life of rest. So you can enter a portion of that and never enter the fullness of that because you don't learn. You continue to still try to do everything your own way. So you're in a measure of rest, but you're not in the fullness of rest because you don't learn. You're like me. You're a stubborn Israelite. You're like Sina. You're stubborn, disobedient at times. Don't do what he asks. So you get the fruit of your disobedience. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but you don't get the fruit of obedience. So he loves us and wants to bring us into the fullness of rest. But we guys, we have to learn the ways of God. So you need to know God and learn God's ways to way the way he builds his house. Yep. Cool. Okay. Verse five. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. There's that word, faithful. He was full of faith for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end, whose house we are if we hold. Little word means a lot. Doesn't mean you're not a child. But you want the fullness of measures. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I, I was angry with this generation and said, They will always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. You're joining the connection between Jesus saying, Come to me and learn from me. Humble in heart, did not learn my ways. If we do not learn the ways of the Father and the way he builds the church, this will not be our reality. You can put stress right here. Worry, shame, guilt, condemnation, to which none of them are of him. Okay. He's so patient, isn't he? Isn't he so good and he's patient with us while he waits for us to grow up? He waited for me 10 years before I surrendered. 10 long years he waited. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love. The peril of unbelief. Verse 12, take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, 
so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. See, it's a race of a lifetime, isn't it? It's not a sprint. It's not a, I'm all excited for five minutes and then I go back to my old life. It is a race of a lifetime. It is a progression. So I start and I progress more, 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 more. The Bible calls it maturity. I mature from being an infant to an adult in the spirit. This is the journey he's have us on. Okay? And he's saying this right here, and you're getting to see the difference between the Israelites and then the people he's speaking to right now. He says, Wallace said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that we, sorry, that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Do you realize how powerful unbelief is? Unbelief will keep you out of things for you. You see, Jesus wants to come and bring rest to your mind, your will, and your emotion. This is where the battle lies. Because when he says one reality, every promise is yes and amen. What do you hear? This is why hearing is so important. You see, they couldn't hear what was being declared. They couldn't hear the word. So they never entered into because they had unbelief. Unbelief goes, no, it's not true. No, that's not the way. No, it's this way. But see, you're going to reap the fruit of your unbelief. So the fruit of belief is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, to which there is no law. Is that what the Bible says? The works of the flesh are anger, jealousy, idolatry, fornication, the deeds of the flesh. So unbelief, when we hear the promise of yes and amen, God's version of God If we're hearing in the flesh, we're in opposition to God. We're in opposition to the Spirit. What the Spirit says is true. So you believe the lie. Because there's a way that seems right to you, but it ends only in death. And the way in which that mind is renewed is you come to God and say, I know nothing, Lord, apart from what you've revealed, because revelation is the only way into the kingdom. So I come as a baby. I come surrendered. I come in weakness. I come defeated. And in weakness, there is what? So strength is found in weakness. Gee, that's not what I was taught. Gee, that's not what the world teaches. No, that's right. The things that aren't in God's kingdom are. And the things that aren't... This is powerful, powerful truth that you're hearing right now. And I pray you can hear it and get set free from yourself so you can come into more of this. And I pray that for me too. Because we're all blinded to a measure and we're all deaf to a measure, aren't we? So blind people can't see and deaf people can't hear. 
and they need someone else to help them see and hear. Yes, Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind. Did you realize you were blinded to a measure? See, if you never realize your true state, then you're not looking for something that you don't know you need. That's powerful. Someone needs to write that down. Thank you, Lord. I, um, during the week, I handed my Bible, and my Bible's falling apart. So I took it to the binding people, and they said, oh, that's going to be at least three weeks. And I was like, oh, mate, I feel lost without it. I've got to use this iPad. and I just, It's just the scripture I'm reading off. I just... I don't know about you guys, I feel lost. How can I, I can't read off an iPad. How can I meditate off an iPad? And it's, it's weird. I love my word. I've got lines. The guy looked at it and said, mate, this is loved. I said, yeah, you couldn't even open the pages because all the, you know, the ink from the highlighter was all stuck together and I've got bits. And I said, you know, you can't lose that. He said, we can't trim it. I said, no, don't trim it because I've got all my bits on the side and underneath and arrows pointing over there. So... This is a secondary thing. It's not bad, but gee. Now listen to this. Okay, so this is for me and you. The believer's rest, Hebrews 4. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Promise. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, let us fear. Do you know fear Reverence, awe of God is a great thing. Not the fear that propels you into a corner and has you living with your hands over your head shaking. The reverence of the Father, the awe of the Father, the glory of God brings a fear. It brings a movement. It's like, do you mean there's more? Yeah, do you want to know it? Do you mean this is for me? Yeah. Do you want to know it? Would you come to me so I can give it and leave all your heavy bags behind? And then learn from me so I can give rest to your souls? You see, he's saying it's a promise. And while it remains of entering, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also did. Who are they? The Israelites in the wilderness. But we have had good news. You're hearing good news today. They had this preached to them, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them. The word that was heard, this hearing and this hearing. Do you want to know what hearing looks like when you hear the word? Okay, it's like this. Boom! What was that? That was the word of God that just stopped you. You're arrested apprehended, stopped. It's like, poosh. So that's when you know you're hearing the word. If that's not happening, you're hearing, but your spirit's not hearing. Okay? You're listening, but you're not hearing. And Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, said this, I pray you will hear what I'm saying. Lord, give the church ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because if you can hear what's being said, and it's the Word of God, then what's produced? 
faith. And we looked at what faith was last week, didn't we? An absolute conviction of the knowledge you have, which just helps you live because you've come into this. Okay? <clears throat> For indeed we have preached the good that they did not, it did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. For we have believed, <clears throat> we who have believed, into that rest just as he said, as I swore, excuse me, didn't want that on the mic. As I swore in my name, thou shalt not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Don't you love that? Everything's been finished. So it's all been written, all been spoken. You and I are discovering what already is. So we're coming into what already is. It's not new, it is. And see, faith has the ability to hear and see what is. And like I said last week, receive it through the power of the Holy Spirit and live accordance to what is written in the unseen. It's the evidence and the substance of an unseen life, but it's seen. It's like, man, I'm eating these burgers. Where'd you get that from? Oh, that shop. What shop? Doesn't exist. Yeah, it does. You go down, you turn left, you turn right, you go down that alleyway, and it's right there. They have the most amazing burgers in Wellington. What are you talking about? I went and had a look, and that wasn't there. I couldn't see it. I'm telling you it's there, man. I'm eating from it. They're $10.50. They've got beef burger, chicken burger, bacon, avocado, barbecue sauce in it, and they are beautiful. You want to try the chips? The chips are sensational. What are you talking about? I can't see. Well, I'm telling you, it's there. So maybe let's walk together. Oh, that'd be a first, wouldn't it? Let's enter Jesus' process and learn from Jesus and actually start walking together, not trying to walk on our own or not walking at all, and learn his way so what you could know what the burger is I'm talking about. Why? Because the burger is for you. It's called rest. It's the rest burger. Jesus is all about food, bread. See, I am the burger. I'm the beef in your burger. It's called the rest burger. This is what happens when you don't have notes. You bring a bit of humor to just sort of, you know. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. Uh, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before. He says the same thing until his people get it. He's been saying it a 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. He's saying it today. Why? Because he loves you and I, and he wants you to come to the fullness of not just rest, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. He wants you and I to experience a full life. Do you want it? 
He wants it. Do you want it? Do I want it? So he fixes this day. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, he, God, would not have spoken of another day after that. So they were entering into the promised land, yes? And the promised land was going to be the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. But how do you people know that wasn't the end? That was the start. See, we think the promised land is the end. It's the start of a life in the promised land. See, when you come into Christ, it's the start, it's not the end. We've told everybody it's the start, now go at the end, and now go find other people that need to find the end. And so we run in the opposite direction of what he's told us to do. He tells us to love him with all our hearts so you're able to love people before he tells us to go reach lost people. Before he tells you to figure out your gifting and your ministry and all these things that we want to naturally do because we're functionally led. See, because when you're not in rest, you're in trouble. Because when you're not in rest, you're functionally led. You're a doer, not a beer. See, it's the rest is the being position. And this is what the commandment does. It brings you into the being position. So before you ever go and do anything, you flow in a place of rest. That's why you have all these church leaders like me burning out because they're in a place of function, not relationship. So when they go, they're going in their own strength, not in the rest of God, the power of God. You can only function for that at so long before you burn out. Because when you hit the wall of opposition, called the people of God, <laughs> that is the truth. Okay? Who killed Jesus? Oh, it was Rome, was it? Didn't Rome want to release Jesus? You release Barabbas, Rome said. No, no, you, sorry, they said... Pilate said, I want to release Barabbas. That was Rome's heart, the world's heart. But the Jews, God's people, said, kill him. Didn't they? See, what happens is, if you're not in rest, then you operate out of function. Because you're not relinquishing the control. And so what happens is, you start defining God's truth through your own lens. You define his works through your own lens. Hear me, there are works to be done, but the works that he wants us to be done are come from faith, the absolute conviction of the knowledge of God we have. When we have that, the work is done from rest, from his power. You no longer strive according to your power, you're striving according to the power, the rest that's now within you. If you bypass step one, you're in trouble. You've started the race on the wrong foot. Okay, you've got the wrong shoes on. You should have had your lovely New Balance air cushion because this is a race for life, but you've got your sprinting shoes on with your little spikes at the front, but they're not built for comfort. They're built for speed. They're built to get you from that one there, zero meters to 100 meters in 10 seconds, and then you stop. When you try and run with the wrong shoes on your whole life, you're in trouble because these shoes start burning out on you. But when you've got the right shoes on because you started in the right place, you can continue to run the journey. There's no excuse for burnout in the body of Christ. 
None. You know why I know? Because I was burning out. You know why I can preach this stuff? Because I've gone through this. I've relinquished the control, come into the fruit, and so I speak from a place of revelation, a revealed place of life, who had to let go of leading, who had to let go of what I thought, and the Holy Spirit taught me personally and showed me my position and then revealed life in me, and the life I'm in is uncontainable. And I see so many leaders in the body of Christ who are not in this. And I don't say that as judgment, I say that as life. Because unless we know, we will continue to do what we've always done, which means we don't receive the fruit of what he came to bring. God came to bring you and I into an abundance of life. Because every promise is yes and amen. But if there is a day that still remains, why on earth, if Joshua led them into the promised land, did God say there's another day? Because he saw his son in the future, which was the other day in Matthew eleven twenty five to 30, who said, come to me and I will give you the completeness of what was started back then. See, it's one big story. Is that cool or what? So we are post-Christ, yes? So the Spirit is released. So there's nothing holding you and I back from this apart from what? Is that hard to hear? That the problem's you? And me? Is that hard for you to hear? you arguing with yourself going, I'm not the problem. He just told me I'm the problem. How many of you want to shoot me right now? Where did I say the opposition started? Who's got tomatoes in your bag ready to start throwing them? <laughs> Mobile phones. I'll just hide around here. Why do you think I started walking with Andre, man? He's a, he's a bodyguard. <laughs> Scully, you got a work to do, brother. Come on, you got to go. See, the problem lies with us, our thinking, our heart attitudes, lies that we've bought into, lies that we were taught, lies that we've created, and those lies prevent us from relinquishing our lives, because we think, we think, we create We create, we tell ourselves this is what's going to happen before it ever has. We rule ourselves out before it ever is a reality. We don't even give God a chance because we've already created what's going to happen before it ever does. Oh, they won't accept me, so I never turn up because they won't accept me. How do you know that? Uh, Well, that's what I told myself. So... The answer to the solution lies on the other side of that where it's like actually he says something and he is no liar. He created it. I'm not even here out of my own ability to be here. So I don't know why I'm even thinking because I didn't exist. So the one who actually gave me the the ability to think is the one that I should be listening to, not me. But we don't, do we? We constantly think our ways are right. 
I do. I did. I still do to a measure. Am I the only one? I'm going to leave me hanging out there, are you? <laughs> Feeling the love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's you, mate. That's you. That's you. That's right. That's right. You preach to yourself. That's just you. <laughs> so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Say, Amen. amen. And I want to enter into it. I'm not going to step up to it. I'm going to step into it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask him and I'm going to seek him with all my heart and I'm going to be found in his presence today because today is the day, not tomorrow, not when I feel like it. Today, he says, is the day. And today it was back 100 years ago. So this today keeps coming because God's determined to get you and I where he wants you to be. He is so determined, so passionate, so in love to see you become the expression of him on the earth. He's so patient with Greg Simnor. He's so patient and he waits and he waits. And because he's love, it doesn't kill him. And he doesn't get frustrated with Greg because he's love. He says, you can know this too, Greg. So you can be patient, and you can be patient, and you can be patient. You can be kind and gentle. So the church can be the manifold wisdom of God upon the earth, Ephesians. So the church, my instrument of change, can just be changed. I had this amazing thing during the week. Love God, love people. Not love God, change people. Do you know who the ones that need to be changed? Here we all are. Come into the seminar on change. And what we all do is this. It's all those lost people out there need changing, don't they? If only they were different. If it was my husband that was different. If it was my wife that was different. If it was my children that were different. If it was my work colleague, Simnor. If it was you that was different. Because all these other people are the problem. No, they're not. They may be a pain. And their behavior may not be right, but the problem is you, Greg. Mm. I don't like that, Mel. No, 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 I'm a good guy. No, no, the problem always starts with you. Where does judgment start? With the house of? Why? What's he going to be judging? To see whether his church took hold of his mercy, took hold of his grace, took hold of his love, took hold of his life, and allowed that to capture and capitulate them into and propel them into a life where they become like him. So we have to be in awe and reverence and know that there is a judgment seat coming about the way you are living your life today. I don't know whether you've ever been taught that. It's fallen out of modern teaching because it doesn't reach lost people. Do you know what it does when you take the truth out? It kills the church. And it leads the church into a false reality. And the church thinks everything's okay because he loves me. Yes, he loves you. He died for you. 
but he loves you for a purpose. And that purpose is that you would love him back and live for him while you have time and you are breathing. Because when your time is up, it will be too late. And your apprenticeship is over. And then comes the judgment to see whether you're going to be the foreman or not. Ouch. So you have to take an account. You have to be testing your faith to see whether you're in. Because this is, once again, this is one promise. A man or a woman, a child living from this reality, mate, they're untouchable. They are loving people, laying their lives down. They don't worry because they're in rest. You see, what did he say? I come in, your, you, your brokenness gets healed. The truth is so powerful. And there's this day, and I just want to finish the scripture. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. I'm going to read 10 and 11. This, this you, you, need to, you want to go eat it, okay? For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter the rest, the promise of rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Do you know what we do to cover up our lack? We get busy. Because we're afraid. So we get busy. And what we do is we put a mask up. I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But I'm not in life, but I'm busy. And you can paint it all for God. Man, I've got this meeting going on, that meeting going on. I'm laying my life I'm doing all these things for you, Jesus. No, you're not actually. You're doing them for yourself because you're not in rest. And because you're not in rest, you don't know who you are. So you're finding your purpose because you don't know who you are and what you do for me. And that was never my intent. A lot of people need to hear that today. I know that for a fact. That we cover up. The church creates function because it's looking for its identity. Because it doesn't know who she is. But when she knows who she is, She's entered into rest, and all the works are completely repositioned and done from a completely different place, and it's a place of life. Now, I'm not saying that place won't have you seeing trials and tribulations, but the rest, the life, the freedom overcomes those things. That's what the Bible says. Those things do not overcome the person. Christ in the person, because Christ is the rest of God, overcomes those things. It overcomes death. It overcomes illness, sickness, loss, 
because greater is he that is in me that is greater in the world. Isn't that right? So is that a nice statement that we put on a plaque or is that your reality? That's to be the reality for you and I, not just something we quote, not something we declare, not something we write down. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but what I'm saying is, is that your reality? Jesus came to bring you the fullness of life, didn't he? He came to make disciples that look like him, not these empty people that say one thing and don't live. See the challenge for us? So where are we at today? Because once again, if we don't realize he's building the church and he has a specific goal in mind for the church and he tells you his, his measure is in his word what he's building, then if you're not prepared to look at that with humility of heart and go, wow, okay, Knowing his love is covering you because you're a son. Yeah, you're in his family. Can you hear that? I hope no one's hearing condemnation now or guilt or fear. Because if you're in him, you're his. But he wants to mature you to the standard he has said. So you have to be able to look at his standard and go, yeah, there's a lot of stepping into to do because I'm not there. He goes, that's fine. Do you want to be, though, Because you can spend your whole life and go, yeah, I never got anywhere near that. Or you can spend your whole life coming into that because it's written down. So he says, I want to bring you rest. And these people diligently entered into. He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Proverbs 25, 2 says that he has concealed things in his word for kings that would go looking for them, hasn't he? So are you a king that goes looking for the fullness of life in the king? Or are you busy covering up your lack with works so no one finds you out, so you come going, everything's great, life is good as a Christian, yeah, man, it's awesome. It's called the plastic fantastic Christian. It's called churchianity. It's preached a lot, it's lived a lot, it's spoken a lot, it's taught a lot. There's just no life in it. God is destroying it for the real thing. The real thing. To all those that are interested in the real thing and not the plastic fantastic. He's over plastic, man. Are you? Are you over playing? Are you over just turning up week in, week out, singing songs? Are you over the stuff and not being in life? then you've got to say, why is that the case when he's the giver of life? You've got to say, Lord, why? Why, why? Because I'm the problem. Because I'm not seeking. I'm not going after. I'm living my life. I'm having this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing. And then I'm trying to tag God on somewhere in the mix of that and then asking God to bless my life. I say, I'm going to create my own empire. Then I'm going to ask you to bless it. He goes, no, it doesn't work that way, son. He says, you seek first me, you drop all that, you come after me, and then I spin that around, and you come into that, and you live from that, which means you're being disconnected and detached from the earthly pull, no longer an earthling, but a heavenly citizen, an ambassador of the kingdom, because you stepped into the truth, and the truth has set you free. 
Mm. Sorry. I'm really trying to control what's in me right now, so I don't. I'm going to read this. This is the next verse. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's brilliant where God has placed this. You see, I've heard that message preached not in the context of everything else, but when you see it preached in the context of what he's talking about, then enter the rest, the rest, the believer's rest is for you, and the word of God is the thing that does the work, then you need to be able to hear the word of God because they couldn't hear the word of God that was spoken that would profit them, so they never entered into faith. Faith in what? The word of God. So the word of God is the source of life to bring you into this. Are you eating the word? Am I eating, drinking the word? Or am I eating and drinking what I love? This is why, and I'm just going to say it, the reason why the church is not in life, we're not eating the word of God. You may read it, but you're not seeing and hearing what's here. You may do all your studies. If you are in the word, this will be, a fruit, along with love, joy, peace, patience. It teaches that. This is not Gregson or this is just go read it. If you go and is that really the truth, then you'd know if you're in the Word. The Word of God is teaching what I'm saying. I'm not making this up. I'm just reading what already is. If you abide in me and I abide in you, what does the Bible say? There will be much fruit. What fruit is he talking about? Pardon? The fruit of the Spirit. So that you means you're going to have much love, much joy, much peace. Not our human those things. I'm not talking about human love, human joys, happiness. I'm talking about kingdom, eternal fruit will be in you, coming out of you. So the answer to that problem, if we're not in it, once again, there's no condemnation, but there is conviction, is to see yourself in the true light and go, hmm, there's a bit of work to be done. Just a little. And then God says, I'm glad you realize where you're at, because if you don't know your true state, you're going to deny it. No, that's not me. Okay, we'll live it out then and we'll see. See you in another year and see if you come into the fruit. Still not me. Still not me. Still not me. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, Lord, me. Right. Awesome. I know you love me. I know that's for me. So I put and I relinquish me. Anyone want to join me on the journey? It's called walking together. It's called loving one another as Christ loves, to cover all the nasty bits that are going to come up when you start freaking out. <laughs> yeah? So when fear comes up and pride comes up, it's a bit ugly, eh? And so if love's not present, see, if, if pride is matched with pride, it ain't good. But when 
Pride is looking into the eyes of love and humility, and it says, even if you kill me, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you to death. Why? Because you can. Why? Because of the work Christ has done in you through the word of God. Do not revile against people when they revile against you. Love them. Are you and I able to live that out? Because that's the standard. Can you see why it's all about the church? It's all about the church. Oh, now you're really pushing them. It's about you and I becoming the fullness that is written. So then a world would look and know Jesus was sent because of the oneness that's in the church. John 17, I pray that you would be one as we are one, Father, that the church, the world would look at the church and know that Jesus Christ was sent for them. Does the world know Jesus was sent for them? No. So who's got a bit of work to do? The world or the church? The church. So how are we going to come into discipleship this week, next week, with a heart of expectation, with a heart of hunger, with a heart to come on, here I am, Lord, I'm expecting much. It's not pressure, it's expectation. You've told me I can be in love. You've told me I'm to be into joy. You've told me I can have a peace. You've told me I can be patient. You've told me I can be faithful. And I believe all things. I have an absolute conviction of the reality of what is written that you are calling me into and my brothers and sisters to be the church of Jesus Christ. What an invite. This is just one of the promises. But one's enough for this lifetime. So you're going to be diligent to enter into and ask and put aside masks that, that, that cover up and function that covers up busyness so you can actually enter into the true life and then go, right, this is what you're going to have me do. And it will just be absolute rest and I say this and I finish with this, just testimony of the rest I'm in today through going through the cross. The cross is the power unto salvation. Jesus got on the cross, didn't he? He was killed, then life came. The cross is the truth. Are you getting on the cross? Are you allowing the truth to come to you? And he says, jump on. Jump on the cross. There's a bit of death that needs to take place. But you can't kill yourself. You need to actually make a choice to surrender and get on the cross. Aren't we the living sacrifice? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Didn't he say that you are the living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God? And that if you get on the sacrifice, if you get on, sorry, on the cross, the truth, then transformation comes through the what? Renewing of the 
Jesus said, I'll give rest for your souls. Your soul is your what? Mind, will, and emotion. You get on the cross, you'll have rest for your mind, will, and emotion. Let the truth of God come and enter into you as you surrender to it. And you'll have that. If you don't have that, or if you only got to measure it to that, you'll have more. The, the cross is the power unto salvation, but to the Greek, it is foolishness. To the Hebrew, it is a stumbling block. What is it to you? Because it's the answer to that. Amen? So, Father, I thank you that you're teaching us your ways. I thank you for the power of this word. And I pray ears would hear, unlock hearts and eyes. Father, that we this week, today, right now, would make a commitment to you to diligently seek, diligently pursue love. Not a gift. Love you, the giver of the gift. That we would diligently seek the presence. Rules are easy to live by. Relationship is hard. Tick the boxes, that's easy. Surrendering to a person, whoa. So Father, I pray we would seek relationship. We would seek the goodness of God, the beauty of God. Show us who you are in our hearts. Reveal your word within us, Father, as we pursue and seek and enter through weakness and humility of our strength that we would give up this works thing in us that we would relinquish it and enter into kingdom rest. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.